Hi, welcome to the Express Results Bulletin for our special episode, Which Decade is Tops for Eurovision? As always, I am joined by Eurovision expert, Nick Parkhouse. Hello there. Hi, Nick. And he's back from cruising the fjords. He's here to remind us that the queens of Stone Age are not EDM. It's the return of DJ Trev. Hello. Hello there. Uh, Thanks go to Chris Higgins, who stood in for Trev Last episode, apologies for the sound quality on Chris's audio. We had numerous test calls, but he's just got an ancient laptop and he didn't want to play ball. I made a thousands and thousands of micro edits to try and get Chris as audible as he deserved. And I think I just about got there. Anyway, we're back in hi-fi quality sound this time. And here come our Eurovision results. So very firmly in last place earning minus one points for the 1990s. It's better the devil you know by Sonia representing the United Kingdom. James, Centuries of Sounds, he says, I have nothing but warm feelings towards our Sonia, but Christ almighty, she's been given some rubbish to sing over the years. This is no exception. Also loses points for having the same name as one of Kylie's best singles of the early 90s. And Joris, who places it last, um, echoing some of those sentiments, he's placed it last largely because every time I see the title, I think it's the Kylie song, and then I hear it, and it is so disappointing. While Alex says, it's got that horrible jauntiness like Phil Collins singing You Can't Hurry Love. Such a chasm between a great frontwoman performance and the desultory can't-be-arsed backing. The object of this was surely to get UK radio play and sell some singles rather than any genuine interest in Eurovision. And Alex, that's where I disagree with you. That song to me was not like a typical Sonia song. That was somebody's idea of what they thought a Eurovision song would sound like. So I have to disagree with you there. Sonia was in the interval act for this year's Eurovision, wasn't she, Nick? She dredged this one out, didn't she? You know, people were saying... Oh, she hasn't changed in 30 years. And you're like, she bloody has. <laughs> <laughs> she looked much older than the 30 years added to her age when we saw her then. Oh. Yeah, I thought it was a slightly yeah. odd choice. I know she's a scouser, and I know it's Eurovision, but I mean, gee whiz. When he ever on for 30 seconds, it was like verse chorus, straight off, like one of my mixes. She didn't outstay her welcome. Isn't Sonia featured in a book that I'm currently reading? My nighttime reading is uh, by Nick Parkhouse, no less. Uh, the Forgotten Pop Singles of the 80s. Sonia's right in there, isn't she? I am loving the book, by the way. I've not actually told you this. It's I'm really, that is a great book. I romped through that. Uh, and yeah, Sonia's in it's, it's great. They're all in there, though, aren't they? Sonia, there are lots of them. Oh, there's some real obscurities in that Forgotten Pop oh, Hits yeah. book. Who remembers Gold by Spandau Ballet? Oh, shut Ooh. your face. <laughs> I think this is what we said in the episode. It's come bottom of the list. It scored minus one points, and it still nearly won the bloody Eurovision. So it must have been a terrible year. It was a terrible year. I think we all agreed on that. So the UK returning to their usual form this year came second from last with May Muller's I Wrote a Song, although it's currently number four on the iTunes download chart. So somebody still loves you, May. Did you think her low position was justified, Nick? I was slightly surprised how shonky her vocals were because the recorded version of it is quite jaunty, the song. 
I've heard a lot of people saying like was there a problem with the mic? Loads of people saying it was just hamstrung by the live performance by the sounds of it. I think she's just pitchy because I saw another live performance because what you didn't see at the semi-finals is that the big six, they kind of divvy it up and they do a full performance at the semi-finals. It's just not shown on TV. And I watched that and she's just as pitchy on that as she was on the final. She's just pitchy. It just looked a bit amateur hour, you know? I think it's a decent pop song. I've been playing it in that sort of mysterious 10 o'clock moment where, you know, like 90s dance music works really well. It's got that sort of bass sound to it. I don't think in the long run it'll do her any harm, that type of place, because the UK kind of just expects to place that low now, don't we? I think there is a little bit to be said. I mean, she went last, which is an absolute graveyard shift, isn't it? Everybody's bored by that point, has gone off to get a drink. I do think there's also slightly something in the host doing poorly. We talked about Latvia in 2003 when they hosted it with a terrific song that came second last. And I do think there is something in uh, hosts often don't do well. I don't know whether people think, well, you've had it once, you can't have it again. But I wonder whether there's a slight element of that as well. Yeah, we're a long way from that period in the 90s where Ireland won year after year after year. I don't think. That hasn't happened since, has it? There's been no consecutive wins. Didn't Ireland get to a point where they were throwing it because it cost them so much? They were just like, just no, <laughs> anything awful. Well, it would explain Dustin the Turkey, who also made an appearance <laughs> at this year's Eurovision, weirdly. Um, okay, into the Met Zone. Uh, two songs almost neck and neck in the Met Zone. So for the 1960s, Ton Vapa by Esther Afarim for Switzerland, and from the 2000s, Sanami by Urban Trad representing Belgium. Comments on Ton Va Pas. James says, pleasant pastoral francophone pop of the early 60s. Absolutely nothing to grab the attention here, but as background music, it's excellent. Alex says, a perfectly pleasant bit of chanson that I can't remember anything about already. And Malcolm the Break Daughter says, beautiful voice, but I just can't really like this kind of thing. At this point, I should report, remember last time I was talking about how I had a rare 1972 Esther Afarim single. I've been trying to flog it on Discogs the past six years. No takers. It's reduced down to £1.20. Two days after the episode was published, the single sold. Coincidence or the power of podcasting? I just don't know. And I should also mention at this point, since I've just read a comment of Malcolm's out, Malcolm the Break Doctor has been involved in this amazing project, which should interest you if you have a passing interest in Eurovision. If you go to remixeverything.bandcamp.com, you will find a large number of this year's Eurovision entries remixed in hard dance, donk step, Clowncore, Ragatech, whatever it is style, by a bunch of remixers. And if you only have time to listen to one of them, then I urge you to listen to the amazing Candy Poppers mashup of Finland's Cha 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 with DJ Casper's Cha Cha Slide. It is sheer genius. And you can go on there and you can listen to previous albums as well. There's always a couple of really, really great tracks on there. They're really interesting albums. They go all over the place. I guarantee everybody listening to this, there will be something on there that you will hate because there are some really strange styles of music, but there'll also be something on there that you'll love. And you can pay what you like as well, sir. Like It is highly recommended. It goes to charity as well. 
Yeah, they're not exactly reverential treatments of the source material. <laughs> um, and I am particularly thinking, banging your drum for you here, Trev, of your astonishing remix of Think About Things by Daddy Frere from a couple of years ago. That really wasn't a bootleg mashup. That. I don't know that that got me uh, many artist credential points. I wonder whether ever it found its way to Daddy Frere himself. I should say that Switzerland... Only came 20th this year. That was with Water Gun by Remo Ferrer. That's the one that goes, I don't want to be a soldier, soldier. But it's 25 on iTunes at the moment, so that's doing all right in this country. Also in the Met Zone, Urban Trad, Sanami, James says, I know this is not cool in 2023, and I know it isn't very Eurovision, but it's just a beautiful, transcendent few minutes of music, and it's difficult to work out what people aren't or weren't hearing in it. This year, Belgium did okay. Belgium came seventh because of you by Gustav. That was the guy who looked a bit like Boy George with a big hat in a kind of pink short suit with a voguer doing a kind of 90s dance thing. 14 on iTunes. That's doing all right. Did you like that one, Nick? Um, I could see what he was trying to do, but it wasn't really my bag. And I thought there were better ballads than the Swiss one water gun as well. Yeah. There's a lot of very young kids there this year. I don't know, because the water gun fellow was 21, I think. And the Greece sent a 16-year-old, and there was a lot of very young people. Yeah, and I don't want to be a soldier, soldier. I mean, it's no, I don't want to be a hero by Johnny Hayes Jazz, is it? Into the top three. Earning one point for the 2010s is Hold Me by Farid Mamadov, representing Azerbaijan. James says, novelty staging aside, this is just the most generic 2010s pop song possible. The low-key verses, that completely unearned euphoric shift to the chorus, just not interested. While Alex says... Above all, this one demonstrates the gulf in perception you get between simply listening to a song versus watching the performance. Because the staging is so brilliantly mesmerising, it's easy to mistake this for a tour de force rather than a generic big chorus ballad. Azerbaijan didn't qualify this year. They got knocked out in the semis. There were a couple of curly-haired twin brothers doing a song called Tell Me More, about which I can remember nothing oh it was quite sweet i mean it was never going to go through because i don't know they were sort of dressed a bit like scooby-doo extras um but it was quite a sweet little song actually i think they were in the trickier semi they were in the semi with all the big hitters i think so it got rather lost right in second place earning two points for the 1980s we have ofra haza representing israel with i james says Ofrahaza's perfect performance turns this only fairly good song into an absolute classic. I love how it keeps building throughout. And Alex says, it's the epitome of the fact that sometimes things you think are peak 1970s actually come from the early 1980s. Well, Israel came third this year. I got the power of a unicorn from Noah Kirel busting out the dance moves in the last 30 seconds. And um, it's 32 on iTunes, not doing as well with the British public as its high placing at Eurovision would suggest. I was that close to putting an each way on Israel at 17 to 1. I was at the bookies. I thought because of its position in the draw, which you only find out 
very shortly before the actual final. I thought people have underestimated this. This is going to be top three. And so it was. But I put good money on Lithuania at 300 to one, which I thought was similarly going to get boosted. And a little bit for, for about 10 votes in the jury votes. It was top five. And I thought, here we go. But then he ended up finishing 11th and I lost my money. So, yeah. I won quite big because I bet on Israel finishing top three. She's an absolute star in Israel. She's massive. And you can tell. Yeah. You know, you can tell that she's a seasoned pro at this. Yeah. And the dance break at the end of it is just brilliant. Entirely unnecessary. But 30 seconds of them just dancing was fab. That is what clinched it, I think. Nothing to do with the song at all. It's meant to be a song contest. Okay, so in first place, earning three points for the 1970s, it's Erez Tu by Mossadades representing Spain. Malcolm says, beautifully done. I can understand why it was such a big hit globally. And James says, it's a massive, undeniable song, but I just can't shake. This is I Can't Help Falling In Love from my head, which unfortunately spoils it. Yeah, I know what you mean, James. Spain were actually one of my personal favourites this year. Ia by the wonderfully named Blanca Paloma. She only finished 17th, but I thought the stage was absolutely fantastic. It's that modern take on flamenco with electronics that Rosalia has been doing as well. Love all that. And I should also say at this point, because Spain is adjacent to Portugal, we have glory by association of this podcast because Lucy Pepper, who designed the artwork for this podcast, was part of the official Eurovision team for Lisbon 2018. She was on the script committee and her specific job was making sure that the English language version of the script for the Portuguese presenters was actually good, fluent English. So proud to know her. I absolutely hated the Spain on this year and it, it came last in the televote. Even we got more televote points than it. No, it got it only got five televote points it came ninth with the juries and last in the televote yeah wow there were gasps in the arena you can pat yourself on the back here nick because when i asked you and chris for predictions at the end of the last episode you correctly predicted that germany's metal thing would come in last position and so it came to pass i had that down as top 10 i know nothing and we also predicted finland sweden norway i think which were all top five so Put your money where our mouth is, Mike, in future, I think, is what you need to learn from this. How has this become a gambling podcast? Like, I've, like your, your newsfeed recently, Mike. Well, I'm off down bookies again. Like, you've <laughs> lost my shirt. Like, oh, God, what's happened? I take a fortnight off, and suddenly it's all just, like, there's an ashtray next to him. I'm looking at him now, an ashtray full of ends, and he's got a bottle of whiskey. He's drinking it out of a chipped porcelain mug. It's like, oh, things have gone downhill for Mike. Like, don't gamble. Gamble, kids. Just don't start. You wait till the main episode and the 2.40 at Chepstow tomorrow. I tell you, I've got all the goss. Let us not forget that Nick used to write copy for a well-known Irish gambling site. Gamble responsibly, listeners. Okay, so I think now with three episodes in, we ought to take our first look at the master scoreboard for this season. It's in a curious state, the master scoreboard. Currently in last place with just one point, it's the 1970s. Yes, they won this round, but they also lost the first two rounds. So that brings their score right back down again. Then we have four decades 
all tying with two points each. The 60s, the 90s, the 2000s and the 2010s, but currently surging ahead with six points to the 1980s, who finished fourth at the end of season one. So that's a good strong start to the 1980s. Treff is blowing his nose with emotion at the <laughs> success of one of his favourite pop decades. Well, I think it's got a good shout this next episode as well, uh, without spoilers. Yeah, really looking forward to recording episode four, which we're about to do. I think episode four could arguably be subtitled The Episode of Pure Pop Joy. We all think this is a great selection. Hope you do too. See you in a couple of days. Bye-bye.